Hey everyone, welcome to episode 9 of Lush Chat. I have a very special episode for you guys. I have my first, yes, first guest of the show. It is Tolu. He is the host of Sonda Podcast. Podcast, guys, that we're going to be talking about today is about culture and how it impacts dating, relationships, and even sex. For those of you who have no idea what our background is, I'm Nigerian from the Evo culture, and we have Tolu, who is Yoruba. So two different tribes, but part of the same continent, so in same country. So Tolu, do you want to go a little bit into your background as being a male Nigerian from the Yoruba tribe? Oh, yeah, I can start. I don't know. So I grew up in America, so I didn't live the Yoruba culture, like, in Nigeria. But yeah. I, I lived in America, you know. Okay. It's a typical African setup. You know, if you're a man, from a man's perspective, you're a man, you're supposed to do well, become successful, make something of yourself, prove yourself, you know, prove your worth. Find a woman, get married, take care of a family, provide, be strong, teach, lead, and leave something behind. Yeah. That's that's pretty much what I've gotten from my Yoruba culture. Okay. Um, specific to Yoruba, well, maybe not so specific, but it seems like Yoruba people, they put a lot of emphasis on education. So education is big. You know, not getting your undergrad or not getting your master's is like a shame to some mm-hmm. people. Like even when dating, yeah. I'm not to get to dating yet. I know, but even with dating, if you date a girl, she wants to know: Do, do you have your masters? Do you have your your undergraduate degree? Because parents, these are these are very important things to know. Right, and even your your aunties and uncles. If you say you've graduated your masters, then they celebrate. It's, they're proud. Yeah. Oh, we throw a party, but you know, if you didn't do anything, they just don't talk about it. You know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, um was there ever pressure on your side as a male in terms of dating dating yeah like did you ever have that conversation about you know if you go to school find a good wife or was that because I know I have an older brother and I felt like that conversation didn't start with him until he got in his 30s however the conversation for me was completely different which I'll get into a bit later Well, the conversation for me really never really happened, honestly. Like, my dad would would have been the one to have the conversation. And he died when I was in my mid-20s. Right. And even before he died, he was never a hands-on, teach you stuff. Come here, let's talk. Come here, son, let's talk. He was never like that. He was was left in the morning. He came back in the evening. If you did well in school, he was proud, good job. You know, if you didn't do well in school, he would show you his, uh, that he's upset. He, and, he, and that was it, you know? Yeah. Um, well, he wasn't really a, 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 a domestic type of dad. He was just always on the move. He was a, he was a mover and a shaker, I like to say. Yeah. Okay. Things- All right. Yeah. And I think for me, so my background, so being, a girl and being Igbo I think my the way that I was brought up was obviously do well in school because obviously education I think is important for our culture full stop 
um, but it was grooming me to be a good wife. I, by the time I was four or five, I was in the kitchen cooking, learning how to cook, learning how to clean, and not necessarily because that's what you're going to do for your husband, but that's what women do anyways. We are in the kitchen, we are cleaning, we are the ones that take care of the household. And I would always get upset because my brother would be chilling, literally chilling until food is ready. And then after food's ready, he'll eat and then he'll go back into his room playing. No, I would be the one that has to get up, clean the house, cook with my mom, serve the food, we all eat, and then clean up the dishes. And then it was like, okay, you can now rest. So that was the mentality that I had. And then when it came to dating, it was don't date. Mm. It's not, this is not the time for you to date. When you go to school, put your head down, read your books, study your books. And then the minute you leave school, you go into college, okay? You go to college, you graduate, where's your husband? Yeah. What husband? Oh, you know, the ones that you told me to avoid and not talk to for how many years? Oh, look at your mates, they're fighting like, and then it's just this race. Yeah. Constantly, when are you gonna get married? And then you go to parties, and then you say, "Oh, did you see this one? Have you seen this one? Oh, let me introduce you to X, Y, and Z. Let me show you X, Y, and Z." And then it's like they're pimping you out, trying to find the best suitor. And it's it's as a girl, there's this pressure. There's this pressure to get married. Then there's this pressure to start a family once you are. And I feel like for the males, especially, that conversation doesn't start, especially in evil culture. They'll be like, they always say, oh, don't worry about the guys. They'll, they'll be ready in their 30s. They'll be ready in their 30s to settle down. And I've seen a lot of people not have these conversations with their sons about that at all. At all. Which is mind-blowing to me because... Well, can I, can I interject? Yeah, I... yeah, go ahead always said this to myself and to a few people. I don't understand how Nigerians raise their daughters. You push them to be, read your book, study, read your book, study till they get to the point of PhD probably, right? Mm-hmm. And then, okay, now forget about all that. Go get married and have kids. Yeah. And so, to me, it was so confusing. I didn't, and I, I know I'm outside the culture. I mean, in a way, being in America, not, you know, even though I'm in the culture, but mm-hmm. I, never underst- I never understood why do you force them to just do this, 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 read your book, read your book, read your book, study, focus on school, achieve, they achieve, and then, well, don't use your achievement, you know, unless your husband, just get married, you know? Because I think they set Nigerian women up for failure, honestly. I think they, I, truthfully, I do. I think they set them up for failure because they're so confused, when it, in my opinion. They just, I feel like they're so confused by the time they get out that they just, I, you know. I think it's hard for you to teach something that you don't know. It's hard for you to teach something that you don't know. And a lot of the times is our parents who only know a certain way of teaching through their own parents. And that's what's mimicked within that community. That to them is the right path. That to them is 
they don't want them you, they think by following boys at a young age you'll be wayward early pregnancy you'll bring shame all of these added layers right so they tell you to guide you in saying education is key that is your focus especially if you are a second generation you know american who's come into this country and you're representing every time the one thing that my mom always said to me is i am her representation wherever i go i am her representation because that will then tell other nigerians how successful she was at parenting and it was always in line with if you go to school if you if you have a b why can't you have an a is the, do you, is the other person having six heads and it was just drilled down into you that you need to focus on education because this is a reflection of our family of our parenting once you have completed that stage then they start thinking oh god the next one is is is, is marriage and family now i'm competing with my my mates that's all it is. Nigerians are in competition with each other and they use their kids as a as a as a measure of success. All right, I said some one time Nigerians are in competition with each other with no prize at the end. Facts. Facts. And you know the funny thing about all of this is is that there's things that are going on in households, Nigerian households all over that people keep quiet on. They don't say anything about nothing. But when you go to the African party, hey, my son, doctor, duh, duh, duh. Mm -hmm. somebody else is coming. Doctor, no, my 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 daughter is this. Oh, she has one grandchild. She just got married. Oh no, this one has two. Now she's on three. Competition. After they go and they start their little sparring world, they'll call you on the phone. <laughs> So, mm -hmm, when are you going to be doing this? Because I talked to such and sister, and his son is doing this, and his daughter is doing this. And then it's like, why am I being compared to people? Well, can I say something, though? That causes a lot of depression in our community. It you does. know, I remember that one story about that Nigerian doctor who went missing. Yeah. And, like, my, my brother knew her. Or I think it was like friends of a friend because this all happened in Texas. Yeah, it does. Right, and, uh, apparently, she committed suicide. You know? I, did she? I thought she got found. I thought she um, she she came back. She she was gone for a while, and people thought she died. I don't know if it's the same story, but it, was it a Yoruba girl or a Yoruba girl? I think she's Eva. Okay, so the girl I'm talking about, I think it was a Yoruba girl. Oh, it was right, like all. Okay. I was all over the news or somewhere, a Nigerian doctor missing, and then they found her by a bridge. Some people think she was killed, but the story was that she committed suicide. That's but I, if she did commit suicide, I've seen a lot of, because of pressure. Because, you know, our standards are not the same as American standards. So mm -hmm. for an American, if you have a job, you know, even a middle, even a middle class, you know, regular mid-level job, you're, you're doing something, you know? But to us, you're not at the top of the class. If you're not, if you don't have a professional job, and if it doesn't bring in a certain salary, you don't feel like you're doing anything. Yeah. And I mean a lot. But I don't want to 
take up your whole time on this topic. I know you got, you know. No, I think, but the thing is what you mentioned, I think it, it weaves throughout, especially when it comes to dating marriage, especially it's this pressure and it's the comparison that's used to, to, to identify whether or not you're adequate. Who is to say that we're, we're adequate to somebody else? Because a lot of people will come and tell you the good. They won't tell you the bad. They won't tell you what's going on in their households. They won't tell you any of these things. But once, you know, once you go to African party and the gala is on and the makeup is on and everyone's dripped and dropped out, do you know what I mean? Then it's like, hey, let me, let me come in. <laughs> let me come and do Shakara. And Shakara, for those of you who don't know, is, 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 is using style, is, is showing out a little bit, um, which is insane because at the end of the day, we are the ones dealing with that pressure. So I guess I want to kind of segue into kind of family dynamics. What was your family dynamic like? So I had my mother and my father. We had three boys back to back and then a girl. Um, my dad was a typical go out and make the money. I want to say oh, he wasn't a big guy. He was a slim guy. He was still kind of tall like me a little bit. But he, but not my height, but he was a slim guy. But he had that alpha personality. Like, don't talk mm. to me this kind of way. I'm the man of the house. You're not smarter than me. You're not better than me. You know, listen to what I say. My mom was the complete opposite. She was the most passive person I've ever met in my life. Really? Yeah. Like, yo, oh, it's okay, no. Well, maybe. Well, maybe you should do, you know. I mean, yeah. I think the way what you got, I mean, how they kept, how they talked to you and they, and they, and even though it might not have been the best information, they instill things in you from a young age. I think that's good. Because mm-hmm. I think it's better just not having conversations at all, you know? Really? Because yeah, my family, they were just always out doing stuff. Because they were always trying to, so in, I don't know what, Igbo culture. Mm-hmm. In Nigerian culture, the church is like a central place. Yes, yeah. Right, but not just the church, but you had to be somebody in the church. Like, you couldn't just go to church. You had to be evangelist, uh-huh. pastor. You know, you had to be somebody big. You couldn't just be somebody in the church. So my parents, they were in that lifestyle their whole life. So from when I was little, all I've known is my dad, the pastor, and my mom, the pastor, evangelist, basically, my entire wow. life. And they were all trying to be on the microphone and talking and traveling and being in things. So, they, so you know, Nigerian culture is just a culture of doing too much. My, it's not bad. It's good when it's good, but when it's bad, it's, it's bad. You know, yeah. So my mom was passive. My dad was uh, more aggressive. Um, he worked. He brought in the money. My mom worked for a long time, especially when they were struggling early on. Mm. But then the period of time, didn't work for a long time, and my dad was the one kind of making things happen. You know, right. And that lasted up until he died. You know. Yeah, sorry. And it was uh, always so. There was always pressure on the guys to do things you know like when i graduated and you know during the recession it was pressure on the guys to contribute to the house like mm. you know we were working and everybody's struggling so your, your money has to be involved like they wouldn't go ask my sister for five thousand dollars or three thousand dollars right but they would come out they would take they will have no problem taking that from the guys you know yeah and, you know and, and um, just you know it was, it was a lot of pressure on the guys and and my sister was the baby though, so that might have been a, a a part. But I just felt like the pressure was insane. But there was, but her pressure came later when you know marriage. But 
you know, I can't speak on that. That would have to be her story, you know? Yeah, no, I feel you on that. Yeah, think, so... Um, go ahead, sorry. No, 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 go ahead. No, so what was it like? So obviously, you know, there's this whole stereotype about if your parents grew up in the church and played a very active role in the church, how did that impact you, especially when it came to dating and sex? Because... It messed a lot of people up because mm. when you learn about your parents, especially like a lot of the people who came in the seventies, right? Yeah, seventies was like a was a revolution in the United States, you know. Like that's right after the civil rights movement. That's when the the set the whole Pretty the party. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So back in the day, I'm sorry if if your parents were at least a little bit popular or a little bit attractive. You know, it was a different scene back then, you know? Yeah. But when we grow up, everything's bad. Sex is bad. Talking to uh, the other sex is bad. You know, everything's bad. You got to be a good Christian. And when I say it's kind of dangerous, the um, standard that they put on you sometimes, and you don't realize it until later, sometimes it's almost impossible to meet, you know? Mm, yeah. And then a lot, a, lot, a lot of people who don't meet the standard, they just completely fall off and just go the exact opposite way yeah yeah because it's like well not this guy i'm not this person so since i can't make be this person i'm just gonna be that person yeah you know but like me like no go ahead no go ahead so i mean the pressure was you know don't lie don't don't play with you know don't have sex in the church sex don't sex is like the worst crime in 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 the world you know what i mean you know um you know be good go to school be a good christian it's like a they take the, that nigerian competition that you talked about and they apply it to how christian you are yes, yes. Uh, like how, yes. Uh, i read the bible I, I i prayed for five days night you know mountain of fire i fasted <laughs> for 10 weeks After, i'm like no, you guys take that thing look you guys need to relax really but but the reason why is, is i say that because a lot of people they they actually became atheists mm. because because their parents threw all that stuff and it didn't match with how they lived right yeah, yeah. it didn't solve their problems it didn't answer their questions mm. and then they hit a point in their life where they had they were in deep turmoil and they realized that this was not presented to us properly this is garbage yeah, yeah. they like don't believe it so i have a lot of people that i know who just don't believe in religion at all they're yeah. complete because Nigerian, the, the way that they presented to us, it was too, the standard that they presented was unrealistic. Like, you're going to do some bad stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, not horrible, I mean, you know, but things are going to happen, you know. You, you can't be Jesus. If you could be Jesus, there would be no need for Jesus. Yeah, right? true, true, true. You know, I, I think that they should, they should emphasize that a little more. Like, you're going to not be perfect, but you should try to always be better than you were yesterday. Yeah. And you should always think about the ramifications of your actions. Yeah. I but, think... You know, but, Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think I'm just going to touch on some points that you just mentioned. So the last point you just mentioned, I felt like a lot of the times our parents and even our aunties and uncles were afraid to ever share their own experiences. Like, it's not until this big old age where my mom started telling me stuff about, you know, her and my dad and it was just one of these things where 
if I knew earlier certain things about dating and relationship and marriage and even sex, um, and it came from my parents, I think I would have held that weight in comparison to what I was listening to from my friends or what I was consuming from media, mm -hmm. never having that conversation with my mom. And the funny thing is like, so my background is, is that um, my parents divorced when um, I was very young. Um, mm. so I grew up with my mom. So my mom had to be both male and female. Um, and then obviously it's kind of that, um, that stigma in the Nigerian community about being a single parent mom, which I feel instantly rolls down to the children, especially if you are a female um because it's then oh my god is she going to be wayward is she going to be backward because she doesn't have a male figure in her life so i think because of that my mom was super strict with me and on top of that she was a nurse so she was super 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 strict my mom would tell me if i sit on a boy's lap i'm getting pregnant and i would believe that okay like i my mom never even talked to me about dating and relationships. My mom talked to me about sex, but she didn't talk to me about the good sex or, or what sex means in a relationship. My mom told me sex means STIs, AIDS, um, sex means pregnancy. And if you get pregnant and you are not married, you will be disowned you are no longer a part of this family <laughs> now if that actually did happen do i think my mom would disown me of course not would she be ashamed yes would she still love me yes i'm her daughter so i i knew that but growing up i was petrified i remember i had a, a boyfriend at the time and i was like in eighth grade and we both ran track and we took a photo and it wasn't even like this is not talking boyfriend type of where he took me out on dates it was just we acknowledged that we liked each other and we only saw each other at school that's how basic our relationship ever was right i never went on a date fully until i got to college okay so that was my dating experience but i remember i took a photo and i think it was for um our school yearbook and i just sat on his lap with my arm around his shoulder and I remember my mom saw that photo and she bugged out. She went crazy. I told you don't sit on a boy's lap and, da -da -da -da. and you know what connotation this is sending? And I'm like, no, I'm, I haven't done anything. We haven't kissed, we haven't done nothing. And that, my mom's response petrified me it scared the shit out of me because i thought i had genuinely done something wrong and i remember there was a point where by the time i reached high school and i had a boyfriend at the time and i believed i think like um he like kissed me that was like my first kiss or whatever and nothing went beyond that but i didn't see my period and i swear to god i was like oh my god i'm pregnant i'm pregnant and i thought i was pregnant and my so Find hard not to laugh at you. I know it's crazy, but thinking thinking on it now, it's insane. Like saying these things back is absolutely insane. But I remember my friend took me to Planned Parenthood because I was sure that I was pregnant. And the lady was like, Have you ever had sex before? 
And I was like, sex, what do you mean? She's like, penetration. I was like, no. And she just looked at me. She was like, why? I was like, my period hasn't come. And um, I kissed a boy. And she was just like, she just looked at me. She was like, no, that you're, you're not pregnant. You're not. And I was like, oh, thank God. And the funny thing is literally that day, my period came and it came so heavy. Like, anyways, that's a different story. But the fact is that that was my conversation about dating. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? How bizarre that is. I didn't know anything about dating until I got to college. And I had to physically kind of go through some scenarios or see what was happening within my within my friendship group to then piece together what dating was and what that looked like and and what was healthy and what wasn't and even till now it's only now that I'm having conversations and I feel comfortable sharing things with my mom about dating have you ever well have you ever shared your feelings about how she how it made you feel her her how she how she treated you and and how she did that she have you ever had like that moment like mom i'm not happy with with this and this is how it's affected me no i never had that conversation with my mom i've thought about it in my head but what a part of me seeing my mom now at this big old age of mine I can understand her a lot better. And I could understand the pressures that she was under. Could you, did you she had a, um, would you say she was hurt in her life and that might've played a role in it? Oh yeah, of course. There was obviously disappointment. My mom comes from a big family. She, uh, out of eight siblings, my mom is the last. And out of all the siblings, my mom is the only one that's divorced. They all have partners, whether good or bad marriages or not. They always had somebody. My mom didn't. And it's not due to choice. It's just how life happened for her. Um, so she was very, very adamant that she was trying to prevent me from certain things, but without telling me why or talking me through things. And it's funny how patterns start to take form that you don't even know is, is happening. And I'm just thinking, if I felt comfortable to tell my mom certain things, would I have you know, avoided some of the mistakes that I had made in the past? Um, but even at this big old age, I still don't feel comfortable telling her. I, what I've done is I've clocked it and I decided that now that I have a daughter, I know I am definitely going to create an environment in where she can come talk to me and I can come and talk to her. That's important because Nigerian, I love my people, but that pressure your parents put on you to be perfect and that anger that comes when you're not perfect and that fear you have to disappoint them mm -hmm. it's dangerous because it makes you do things in secret and yes. 
more you do in secret, the more unhealthy those things you do in secret become. Yes. So yeah. I've, I've, I've tried to get to the point in my life where I don't, I don't, I share a lot with a lot of people, right? But part of it is because I don't want to get into that space of just doing things in secret and having no check. I know how bad it can be. I know how ugly the world can be. I know how ugly we can be as people. And I, can, I don't trust myself with my secrets, you know? Me personally, I mean, you guys might be better than me out there, but I don't trust myself with my secrets. The funny thing no. is I've, I've always been extroverted and outgoing. Like what you see is what you get with me. Like I used to get so annoyed by every time you had to go to African auntie's house, like you had to sit down and be quiet. Mm. because you had to literally sit down and be quiet if you said anything if you showed any sign of a personality <laughs> it was instant judgment instant judgment and, and i why, go ahead sorry no and that's why you see a lot of the younger first generation nigerians rebel against their parents and sometimes break relations with their parents because they're so different mm -hmm. than what their parents wanted and they, they, our parents are stuck in their ways. Yeah. Nothing can change the way they think. To, to me, to their detriment. So if you are in any way different than what they want you to be, and if you express it, then it, it, it won't work, you know? So that's why I see, I see a lot of people who just completely go the opposite of what their parents want. And they just say, you know what, that's who they are, this is who we are, and it's just, it's a disconnect. Yeah. And I'm like, but like what you said, like, they should create, they should, I would invite them to create an environment to say, all right, you're a little bit different, but let's talk about it, you know? Mm. And, and different then, is not bad because we're, 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 we're meant to have our own personalities. We're meant to be different people. But what we try to do in, in Nigerian culture is have some type of, of template in where this is the standard. And irregardless of your special skills, your special crafts, things that make you you, you have to tick these boxes and you have to go down this path for us and everyone to be comfortable. Comfortable with you and with the standard of success that we have created in our heads. And the minute you deter from that, it's, it's instantly shame. Mm -hmm. It's shame. And it's, it's one of those things is where, you know, you could, so like for me, like, um, you know, I had people, I had friends. I remember I had a very, very close family friend and she had a baby outside of wedlock, okay? Mm. She didn't end up marrying the guy because she realized like, we're just not compatible in the way that I see things moving forward. And instantly it was shame, shame, shame. She then ended up saying, everyone was like, okay, you need to find someone, you need to get married, da, 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 da. She found somebody. She married the guy. They had a baby, okay? That, that relationship didn't work. She now has two kids, two different fathers, okay? Shame, shame 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 she did it hurt she did it away she fell in love with somebody it didn't work out that's life she ended up marrying somebody 
marrying a Nigerian guy at that. It didn't work out. But the first guy was Nigerian? No, the first guy was a Nigerian. Yeah. Um, but the and it didn't but work no, out. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people. <laughs> um, well, I mean, let me not speak about. I'm, I'm speaking about women because you know men don't. They get when they get they don't get pregnant and have kids. A lot of women who get have kids from a previous situation, you know, the shame that comes with it, and then they end up going for a Nigerian guy. And from right now, it's for me. You know, the uh, jury is out if that works. You know, mm. I'm sure it works some some in a lot of situations. But I think it's like a, it's like pressure and it's like rush, mm-hmm. you know. And like I told you so. Mm-hmm. You didn't listen to me. You didn't listen to me. And look what happened. I told you so. Now go and get that. Now go and get that good Nigerian guy, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, we all. I'm look. I'm gonna say it out loud. I know there's a lot of BS dudes that come from Nigeria to America or the UK. A lot of them. Mm-hmm. Not all of them. Not all of them. But mm-hmm. a, a large number. Because I know them. I hear them, you know what I mean? Mm. So, so, but then, but then aunties and uncles like, ah, he's from where? He did, he did what? He has what? Okay, I ah, see, see, you, you're good. But I'm like, yo, that dude is, a, that person is a nightmare, yeah. you know? And yeah. some of the nightmare girls who come here too. But that's what they don't understand. They don't understand that people are bad. Mm-hmm. People can be bad. Not mm-hmm. just African Americans, not just white men or whatever. Mm-hmm. People can be bad. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I would never pressure anybody to marry anybody of any race or ethnicity, you know? And I think is I think it's also on top of that, I think it's this pressure of, you know, when it comes to marriage, we put marriage at such a high standard and I, I completely get it. It's a part of our culture, you know, and even if the marriage is bad, it's the children. Think of the children. first think of the children first and then think about what other people are gonna say yeah i literally seen couples who are together for face Mm. for face they go out in public miss that missus chief and they go into their house they're strangers they don't talk they're living separate lives they're doing their own thing right but that's but why? But okay, see, you just said this. African, but why? Why? They, <laughs> they do that because they they understand that together we're better than we are apart. If, even if we don't work, we don't. We're not. So first they do it because of shame. They like to put on faces and pretend. But outside of the the pretense, right? That's we, we we're better together. That's it. That's that's the um, that's the reasoning. Like. I work, you work, I'm a man, you're a woman, we, we provide different things, you know, you provide, I clean, I clean, you know, we're a team, we raise these kids, we're better together. I don't like you, you don't like me, I'm cheating, you're cheating, or having an affair, or whatever, but mm-hmm. we, have to raise, we have to raise these children, yeah. you know. I'm not saying that's every bad relationship, but I've been told by some people that the only reason why I stay with that person is for the kids. Mm. So the only reason I stay with that person was for the kids. You know, and I, that's what they do it. I hear that a lot, and I've seen it as well. And and as a, as a child, my parents, you know, they never fought in front of us, right? Mm. But I know their relationship wasn't always perfect. But I do mm. appreciate the fact that they that they stay together as a unit, stay together to make us 
to help raise us, you know? Mm. I mean, I, I don't, and again, my parents are not like, they, I've never seen craziness in my parents' household, you know? Mm. There, there, was, there was craziness there, like struggling, you know, bad decisions, bad management of some things, but mm. never saw fighting. I've never seen them sleep in different rooms. None of them have been gone for a period of time for whatever reason, mm. you know? So yeah. it, it, it was able, but my mom, my mom, my dad, may rest in peace. My mm. mom said, yeah, there were, there were rough times, but, you know. They didn't show that to you guys. They didn't show it to us. And she is a super duper 10,000 times over Jesus freak, right? Uh -huh. So she's yeah. like, no, the Bible tells me I need to stay with my husband. But the Bible tells me I need to, you know, raise my children. So mm. that's what I do. All I do, all I know is the Bible. I don't know anything else. That's how, mm. that's, that's, you know. And I think I think what's good is if you have a partner who also shares the same faith as you. So even when the love is gone and when there's no love there, you both can cling on to your faith, right? Mm -hmm. And use that as a as a as an anchor to hold whatever, you know, relationship you have together because if you are a Christian, that God is your foundation. That is what you need to build your relationship your marriage on in the first place right um because we know emotions are fleeting one day yeah. i can love you today and the next my enemy right that's why they always say there's a thin line between love and hate what bothers me though about the african culture and the shame that we have created within the culture is that when you are in a situation or a relationship or a marriage that you know is not beneficial for you, you know it's not working, and you have the ability to find somebody who could be everything that you need them to be at to a certain point in a certain degree, that shame and that guilt will confine you into a situation that you have emotionally detached yourself from. But you will have to stay there because of shame. You don't want to, you know, have people talking about, you know, oh, they're, have you heard they're divorcing? And especially if you have kids and stuff like that. So I have seen people who have stayed 20, 30, 40 years in a situation that in their heart desire, if it weren't for these kids, they would have been gone. They would have ducked out ages ago to these find kids, these kids or are talking relatives both right 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 both because yeah, nobody... no go ahead no, sorry. Uh, no, no i was it's... gonna say because if it wasn't for the shame yeah a lot of people would have been like you know what this is not working out we've done what we can but we can co-parent we can still be a part of these kids' lives and we can be a unit in that way. But we just don't, from the romantic point of view and stuff like that, we, that that's past. And I'm, I'm, I'm allowing you to find that with somebody else. And right. if you find that with somebody else, then we can start talking about what a blended family looks like. Because it's possible. It's possible. But I think because of the shame of it all, and people don't know what moving forward looks like. 
what does moving forward look like, especially if you have kids, right? I have to say that as a man, so this is my perspective, so I'm going to mm -hmm. be honest. And that's offending. I see why women don't do that a lot. Because there are a lot of guys who are like, I don't want to deal with a woman who has somebody else's kids. I hear that a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. And I and, and knowing that that's a thing that I hear, and, and you hear it from, a, you're, uh, most of your male friends won't say it, but they'll think it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that, that um, and I'm not saying that I'm like that. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that, that but I, I hear that a lot, right? Mm -hmm. So I understand why some women are afraid to leave who they have. Because they have this, there's this thing, well, if I, if I leave who I have, no other guy's going to want me. I know, I know that's the thing. I know that's the thing, you know? Yeah. And I, I do feel for women, but, you know. But then on the flip side, and, and maybe because, obviously, and this might be taken completely out of our culture, but if a man has kids, he wants a woman who's able to accept his children. Especially right. if we got into a certain point. So right. in a perfect world, we would all love to date someone who does not have kids. Yeah. And normally right. that's in our twenties. And if you're if you're lucky to get in your thirties and, and not have a relationship and, and, and children are you know included in that, cool. But if you get to a certain age and you already have quote unquote baggage, a lot of the times women are supposed to be more flexible in that regard in terms of dating a man with children. Now, it depends on how many children he has. Do you know what I mean? Some girls will be like, you know, I can date one. If he has one child, then yeah, I could do that, okay? It all just depends on the relationship with him and the child's mom, yeah? Right. But women with children, it has to take a certain level of maturity for the guy. Where are you going? I don't know. So yeah, so it takes a lot. It takes a lot of of maturity from a guy to go into a relationship with a woman who has a child already. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that double standard in itself is crazy. And that's a different, completely different story. But then you put the added layer of culture. Can a Nigerian guy? marry a woman who already has a child by another man and and that's the <laughs> culture right so i don't even think about the culture aspect of it right mm. i mean if it's nigerian culture nigerian culture there are really there, there are really good parts of nigerian culture that we should hold on to yes. i do i and i don't think nigerian culture is bad but there's some no. things that don't apply it's something that don't apply to you want to take Nigerian culture from Nigeria and apply it to the UK or United States. Hmm. It's, a, it's a different life, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But but on the on the issue of varying dating and taking, accepting a woman with kids, it is it I guess it is a double standard, but it's not really a double standard because because when dudes don't take the dudes don't usually keep the kids. So I guess the double standard is that men don't usually take keep the kids. Let me keep you know. Um, but it is a double standard, you know. Well, I'll say that it's it's a one-sided affair. There, there are more women, single mothers, uh, who have issues finding men 
the to, yeah. Yeah, the other way around. Again, and I think part of that is because men usually don't keep kids, and some guys just leave altogether, you know? Mm -hmm. So you don't even know if they have kids or not. But, um, but I don't know. I think it, I want, I, I do, I do think it takes a mature man, but it also takes a man who, who wants, who, who wants that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I want that. Uh, you know, it takes it takes an understanding of what you want in the relationship. Yeah. This is what I want in the relationship. You know, mm -hmm. some guys don't want to start off the relationship with kids because they don't want to start off the relationship with, with responsibilities. You know, yeah. and you know they want to. You know, and some some guys are petty. They don't want to see somebody else's kids with their woman. You know, mm -hmm. that's that, that's more of the petty. I don't want to see some other guy's kids with, with the girl I'm with. You know, it's a it's a lot. There are a lot of reasons. And I just want to be honest, I'm not trying to offend any woman out there who has kids. I'm just trying to tell the reasons why guys say that, you know? And we, and it's true because, I mean, as a woman that has a child, mm -hmm. and I'm still, you know, with my child's father, um, for me, if I, if for whatever reason, I had to get back into that dating space, that's the one thing that is going to be on my mind. Do you know what I mean? That's the one right. thing that I'm going to be like, okay, right. I know I have X, Y, and Z to offer. I know I'm beautiful. I know I'm intelligent. I'm hardworking. I have all these different qualities. I have all these different, you know, things that will make me appealing to the member of the opposite sex. But I always feel like there's a but but uh, I, I have a child and that's not to say that you know some guys will be like you know what i don't care because you some see guys don't all, care. yeah you see that all the time there's blended families you know there's right. men that marry women that already have children and who has kids number one should never care about a woman who has kids oh number one no never no it, a lot of men who don't have kids who if that man wants a family he shouldn't care you know but a lot of dudes are so a lot of dudes are afraid fatherhood not that they're afraid to be a father but anything with that much responsibility scares them you know mm -hmm. you know so usually when guys make kids it's like well you made this kid so mm. you've got to be a father yeah like, you have to do it yeah. but when but if a guy i mean a lot of times if a guy has to choose that responsibility is gonna be like i don't know i don't know if i want that responsibility you know but there are a lot of reasons. I'm not going to get into that. There are a lot of reasons, but I, but I, I understand that it's difficult for women who have children, even though it shouldn't be, but it is. But there are a lot of double standards and things that don't make sense that because we're all human, mm -hmm. and we have a lot of things, we have a lot of stuff with us that we got to figure out, you know. So tell me a little bit about your dating experience so far. So. My dating experience is not my dating experience is not typical, right. because I, told you, I come from a, a religious family. My childhood was a bit different than a lot of people's childhood. So when I got into my dating ages, I didn't have a boyfriend. I mean, I have a girlfriend. I'm sorry, I didn't have a girlfriend yeah. in middle school. I didn't have a girlfriend in high school. I had a girlfriend in high school for like two days and stopped being boyfriend and girlfriend after like two days, you know. But that was it. But then I was like at ninth grade, then I didn't have a boy girlfriend again until like college, you know? Yeah. In college, I was on a mission to make something of myself, right? Mm -hmm. 
So I didn't really date a combination of not having experience, trying to make something of myself, and not um, and that Christian background. Not I was one of those guys. So a lot of guys take, and I think it's not that unhealthy. A lot of guys use that period to kind of just play the field, have fun, figure things out, right? Yeah. I was instilled in my brain. Don't waste girls' time. If you don't want to marry the girl, don't waste her time. That was instilled in my head, you know? Mm-hmm. If she's not wife material, don't waste her time. This is, you know, and then you hear, this is in America. There's all this sentiment of guys are bad. Guys hurt women's feelings and stuff like that, which is true. So when I was younger, I was like, no, I'm not wasting any girl's time. Any girl I meet, if she's not somebody that I want to go all the way with, I'm not going to waste your time, right? Yeah. I, th- I think that was a mistake in my early 20s. I, I do, because I'm, cause that's, I really when you, that's when you, that's really when you're supposed to date, do your, do, do your thing, you know? Because yeah. you see a lot of people who wait till they're later to live life, and then they start living life crazy, late 20s, early 30s, because 40s. they didn't live life, you know? Yeah. So, but no, my... <laughs> Sorry. No, that's it. But so my early years, I didn't date a lot. Truthfully, I had like one girl in college, one girlfriend after college. You know, I mean, immediately after college, I had one girlfriend. I had one girlfriend in college. Mm-hmm. You know, I you know I didn't do I didn't. And the funny thing is, in, in college, I was actually a, a popular guy. Right. Like I was doing, I was doing like fashion shows, modeling. I played basketball. I you know I was really good shape, really good physique. People thought that I was getting it in crazy. But in reality, in reality, I wasn't, you know. I mean, I wasn't, not, I wasn't like a loser. I didn't have nobody, but I wasn't getting in crazy. So when I got into, my, um, when I graduated from college, so later in college, I got really into the church. When I graduated college, I became really religious, right? Mm-hmm. So I was an early 20, 23, 24, 25, 26 year I was really religious. So I, I definitely didn't play around with girls during that time. Mm-hmm. To the point where I look back now, I'm like, yo, what was wrong with you, bro? You know, so every girl I met, it was like all or nothing. You know what I mean? Right. right. So this is, if, she's not, if she's not a wife, then there's no point. Like if I, if she's not a wife, there's no point. And then I'm not going to just try to see what I can get, you know? Mm. You know what I mean? It's like, no, I want to show her that I'm a good guy. And I was still in this mindset that guys are bad, you know, and they got, they did, they're the ones who did everything wrong and you got to prove to everybody that you're a good guy. Not a healthy mindset to have, yeah. you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, so around mid twenties, especially when my dad died, uh, I was like, "Man, what? Screw all that!" I, 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 to be, I mean, it's not good, but I definitely wasn't as religious as I used to be, you know. So I started dating, but my, every girl I dated was either Nigerian or somewhere in East Africa, you know. Mm-hmm. So I only dated African women, but mm-hmm. a mix of African women born in Africa and African women born here, right. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I've had a, um, I'll be honest, I had, I've had an interesting relationship with African-Americans growing up. Right. And I, and I will admit that it, it clouded my um, it, perception of dating African-American women in my 20s. Right. In, in the early 30s. So I didn't date, I have not dated seriously an African-American woman. Hmm. Not because of, and no offense to any other black woman in the world, African-American women and you know, are the most beautiful men in the world because they come in all shapes and sizes. I feel like really dark, really light, tall, short, thick. They come in every shape and size, so they are the most beautiful women in the world. Yeah. But because 
my, um, because of my upbringing, because the culture, I didn't date any African women. So the Nigerian women that I dated, right? <sighs> the Nigerian, my Nigerian, yeah, my Nigerian. What are you sighing for? Why are you sighing? <laughs> Go ahead. Because they're, they're just as confused as we are, right? But uh, it's so much. I don't want to get into, I'm not going to get into it too much. But I will say that um, we cling to our culture so much that sometimes we cling to the bad parts of our culture, mm -hmm. right? Like, um, like, you're, like how your mom drilled in your head, you have to get a certain type of guy. Mm -hmm. Any guy outside of that box is, un is undateable. I mean, it's, un it's not serious, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, if you, so I found that if you're a Nigerian guy dating a Nigerian girl, if you don't admit if you don't hit every point of this type of thing that you're supposed to be, mm -hmm. then you're not taking it seriously, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's crazy. Cause like for me, I guess my, my dating background is a weird one. I'm just, I just feel like I'm different. I feel like I'm different. And I'm saying like my story or like kind of how, I went about things is necessarily special, but um, I never had a Nigerian boyfriend. What? Yes. Can you? Uh -oh. Right. Hating on those brothers. Hating no, brothers. no, not at all. Okay. My. Okay. Let me. Let me just tell you. I'm, you know, I don't kidding. You know, I'm kidding, right? You know, I'm kidding. No, right? I know you're kidding, but I'm, no, because when I say that, people are like, "Yo, that's crazy." And I'm like, it is crazy. Cause if you know my mom, my mom was was not the most open of people I think, when it comes I think to she pushed you. I think she pushed you out of to not do it. Honestly. No, no, she didn't. She didn't because I tried. I tried. Okay. So I grew up, obviously, I grew up with Nigerians all around me. Okay. The first boy that ever broke my heart was Nigerian. Okay. He was like I was feeling the boy, <laughs> and he just was not feeling me like that. Um, and then another guy that I liked, um, he was a playboy. He was one of the Nigerian playboys. Like he was a playboy, and I couldn't fault him at the time. He was good looking, so I, I get it. I get it, but. You know, and then I ended up going to an HBCU. And I think that's kind of what changed my trajectory because while I went to, I finished off my last two years in high school in Texas, if I stayed in Texas, I know for sure I would have dated someone who was Nigerian because that's that's my circle. I hung out, like I dated. So like in dating, like talking about like I've gone out on dates, I've gone out on dates with Nigerian guys. So but being in a serious relationship, that's never happened. My first relationship, serious relationship ever. So, cause I don't count, you know, high school as dating. Cause I didn't date the person. Like we didn't go anywhere. Um, was in college and I only had one boyfriend in college at the time. And he was African-American because I went to a historically black college and university. I mean, we had Africans there. So we had um, obviously the African society and 
it was a lot of females. I think there was only like one guy, two guys in the whole African society, two guys. And See? one of yeah, two, like, honestly, our oh. the society in, in that school was so small. And it was all, it was all, it was like all of us girls and only two guys. And one of the guys, he was a popular, he was a, he was in a fraternity and he hardly came, he only came once. Do you know what I mean? But they weren't checking for us because they were, there were so many options and right. my options with Nigerian guys were so limited at the time, but there was Nigerian guys that like back at home that I liked and I talked to here and there, but I had a very strange way of guys that I actually really liked. I friend zone them. Like I didn't know how to no. transition. No, no, maybe they friends on me. I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I, I gotta be honest. It's true. It's true because there were girls. In my experience, right, being you know very popular or whatever, one girl told me straight up, like you know, you are too good. You can't be. Basically, said you can't be a fuck buddy. You know what I mean? Right. You're too. Good. And at that stage of her life, she was dealing with fuck buddies. You know what I mean? Ah. She was, I mean, this girl, I mean, I wasn't really trying to, I wasn't checking for her for real, but we were talking yeah. and there was another guy here who was, you know, who could be a, a buddy, right? Right. And then, but she was like, you're too good. Look at you, you're too good. You can't be that. You you got, you're, you're for somebody who wants to keep you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But he, this guy, you know, but, but, so basically she was saying, um, you know, at that stage of her life, she yeah. was kind of playing around. And she looked at somebody like me, like, oh, you're too good. The funny thing is that I wasn't trying to get with her. She just wanted to let me know that right. that was, um, See, that so was, there were a lot of, there that, were a lot of girls in this. Yeah, like, song. I mean, she lives, and I'm, I'm a bit jealous because I didn't have that at all. I think for me, mine was more so being um, awkward around oh, yeah. people that I liked. And I was, I was never the flirtatious, straightforward kind of girl. And I think it, it, it came back down to my background, right? So where I said that if I showed any type of personality, um, it was always misconstrued as something. Like I remember like one thing, I think one thing that changed kind of the way that I moved around boys um was we were leaving boston to move to texas and my mom was having a party and i remembered that you know i had some people come to the party and one of my family friends his son who was younger than me i know you got off my cuff i can't distract my fly, who was younger than me said there's a party up the street i didn't know about this party I ended up everyone because to be honest with you, our party was dry. It was it wasn't like, you know, as a teenager and you're hearing like music booming down the road with people who look like you. Um, and then you have all the uncles and aunties here just talking like it's dead. Do you know what I mean? So everyone was like peer pressuring me and making me feel bad. Like, oh, Jenna, I want to go over there. I want to go over there. I want to go over there. So I was like, OK, cool. So we ended up going to the party and shots got fired at this party thank this? this is in boston i know it was crazy thankfully nothing, thankfully nothing happened 
to us. Um, but guess who got blamed? Who? Me. You? Yeah, I got blamed for taking all of them, even though it wasn't even me who suggested. I not only did I get blamed, but By then who? the aunties and uncles that were there. And then you know what the justification of blaming me was? Look, she because she doesn't have a dad. If she had a dad, she wouldn't have done this. She wouldn't have done that. She wouldn't have done this. She wouldn't have done that. And no, I, I'm 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 this makes no sense. How are you blamed for shots being fired? No, I was blamed for taking them to the party. Oh, okay, okay. I was sorry. I probably didn't articulate that well. I was blamed for taking them to the party, even though it wasn't even me who suggested the party. Um, but then because I took them to a dangerous place with people and, you know, this is that, it's because me. It's because I, I didn't that. have a dad <laughs> who's I, there who would have guided me in the right direction. So it was always these different things or, or if I would go to parties, I would, I would be my authentic self, outgoing, talking, bubbly, whatever. And because girls at the time were, you know, sitting down and being quiet, not saying anything, and I was being myself. Oh, she has no home training. She must be this. She must be fast. She must be this. Just all of these assumptions, unrealistic assumptions about me because the lack of a male figure in my household from from my own people, yeah? So right. it's it stunted me when I was around guys because I had to be, I was super aware of the connotation that anything that I do could be perceived in a way that would be detrimental to me. And I always got, you know, people always assumed that I was fast and I was doing things that I wasn't. I would be, Literally, we late at night because my mom was a single mom and I would leave an after school club, right? And I would literally have to, and it would be, it would be like six o'clock. And at the time, it, you know, if it's winter time, it gets dark. So I'll be walking, waiting for the bus. And somebody, and I would come home. And my mom knew exactly where I was, but somebody called her to say, I saw your daughter on the street at this time of the night, not knowing that my mom had worked. And I didn't have the luxury of being driven home. So I had to take the bus to get home. But that, that connotation and that stigma always followed me. Mm -hmm. And I still feel like it follows me to this day that because of something that was beyond my control and because of the shame that our culture has created in that, that I was perceived and treated differently. And I knew that from a young age. And that impacted me when I went to college. So when I saw a boy that I liked, I would instantly go into friend zone. Instantly. It was on a subconscious level. I would like him, but like, I wouldn't be able to tell him. I wasn't vocal enough to be like, hey, I like, I, I didn't do any of that. It wasn't until I left college when I actually started dating. <laughs> and I went on dates and was a bit more vocal about it, which expanded my dating pool. 
right guys but yeah i felt very subconscious around nigerian guys and especially guys in itself i'll be honest about one thing so i grew up being african growing up in where i grew up you know we were teased a lot we were treated differently girls would even treat you differently to the point where they're like oh no i don't want to sit next to him he's african you know what i'm saying no he's all oh don't want to sit next to him he's african you know he's black he's black whatever I didn't have confidence when I first started dating, right? So there were there were girls mm. who I definitely liked, Nigerian or whatever, or whatever race, that I just didn't have, I friend zoned them because I didn't have confidence. Mm. I'm not gonna blame anything else, I just didn't have confidence, you know? Yeah. And it was the truth, I mean, um, even when I was really popular, there, that bit, that piece of you that you develop at a young age, mm. those stories kind of sticks around with you a little bit. Yeah. You never allow yourself to be who you are. You know, you could be a brilliant, educated, beautiful woman or a handsome guy, well-adjusted, perfect person, yeah. but you always you always still feel like a pretender. Like I'm not that person. Yeah. I'm not good enough. You yeah. know, yeah. But because you know, so that I, you your situation where you were um, there was this stigma put on you from a young age prevented prevented you from moving people you liked out of the friend zone. Yeah. Confidence or confidence in myself and who I was prevented me from taking people I liked out of the friend zone when I was younger. Mm. Right. Uh, plus being very particular on who I was looking for because of the whole religion thing, right? Yeah. You know, plus being particular and who I was looking for because of the whole cultural thing, Nigerian thing, wanting to hold on to my Nigerian culture. You know, so all those things, you know, if I can tell a younger person, like you have to let a lot of these things go because yep. there's no point of looking for a Nigerian only if you're in America because you're in America. Mm -hmm. That should be pretty. That should be pretty. Com you know, common knowledge. There's only this many Nigerians in this country, mm -hmm. and you are American, and your Americanness actually makes you less attractive to the culture a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you need to expand your dating pool. If I was Telling my younger self that I was telling you expand your dating pool, you know. Yeah. Definitely. And then, and then confidence needs to be <laughs> instilled in children because the things that people look for when you're young are the exact opposite of what they look for when you're older. You know. Yeah. When you're young, you want you want, you want the bad guy. When you're young, you want the the tramp. Really, just be honest. You know, you want the trampy looking girl when you're young. You want the bad guy when you're young. When you get older, you don't want those things. So people need to need to understand you can't build your confidence around the bad guys and the tramps. You know. Yeah. You gotta, you know. So, but again, so I'm just me being candid and oversharing like I always do. I always you know? overshare, <laughs> but I think it's, I but I think it's useful because I feel like a lot of times is to truly understand people, you need to understand their story, as you said. And that's, you know, going back to your whole podcast is everyone has a unique story and a unique viewpoint on things and what makes them them. And I think that's that's the one thing about our culture is that we don't share our stories. We don't, we, we, we're clouded in secrecy in a way. Um, go ahead, sorry. Everything is a secret, Everything in our, especially in our culture. Mm -hmm. everything you don't everything. find about anything until bad things happen yes yes and that's the only thing that we shout about bad things <laughs> bad things and um 
you know, weddings, um, invites, and graduation uh, celebrations. Like, it's just, to me, is I think it's a lot of the things we, we've created this ourselves. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the problem. It wasn't attached to us. We created these, whether they're defense mechanisms, whether they're coping mechanisms, we created all of these. And we have decided that we will continue to raise our children in this manner. And that level of dysfunction, that generational dysfunction and cycle doesn't get broken. And, and the problem is that our culture doesn't see our culture as dysfunctional. Oh, of course not. Yeah, they don't see it. That will destroy every foundation that they have. They it will destroy every foundation, every level of thinking that they had. And when it's now as a children, we are trying to define what that looks like. We're breaking out of that mold. It's 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 kind of losing that grip because if if we break out of that mold, then they're saying we are we are saying goodbye to our culture. And it's like yeah. no. Why don't and we keep the culture that's the good? <laughs> yeah. Let's keep the good that is the culture. And, and that's then exactly. redefine certain things because it's just mad. I, I just, in my head, I just, sometimes it just really frustrates me because, and I, and I don't ever want to get to the point where people feel like, okay, if this person is no longer in my life, then I can be my true authentic self. If this keeper yeah. is no longer here, then okay, then I can live the life that I want to live without fear of judgment or, or persecution or or whatever. And it's like, why why does it need to get to that point? Why can't we just say, you know what? Times are changing, people are changing, situations are changing. We need to, you know, be tolerable. Well, I will say this though: some some changes not everybody's comfortable with. Of course, and that's time change, you're not going to be comfortable with it most of the time. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I don't, I don't think all change is good. I'm not saying uh, change is change is natural, right? Mm. Natural. I don't think all changes are good. No, know? I agree, but not all change is good. But I think, I think. I think when it comes to dating um, and marriage, especially, when it comes to especially staying in a situation or staying in a marriage that might require change, and that's where you get the most resistance, especially in our culture, especially when it comes to marriage. Maybe not dating because in, 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 Afri in African culture, they don't even recognize dating. I'll say you say something about dating. You asked me what's Boy, yeah, boyfriend and girlfriend is not recognized in African culture. Let me just make that very clear right now for those of you who don't dating in our culture. There's no dating. Dating is is that's what you do in secret. When yeah. he says I'm gonna marry you, that's when you showcase this is my husband. They don't care how long it's been or whatever. There's no dating in African culture, which no is bizarre to me because even that is in secret. That's done in secret. And once again, then if things don't work out, <laughs> that's in secret. And if you go and tell your parents this is not working out, shh, 
secret. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Stick together. Remain. That, that, that whole thing that I say is dangerous because we've created a culture of just doing terrible things in the dark. You know. In the dark. I should be able to tell my parents. I should. I should have been able to tell my parents that this is my girlfriend. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And if but, you're not happy and you're in a marriage and you tell your parents, keep that. In, keep it in the dark die in the dark be depressed in the dark be lonely in the dark be heartbroken in the dark is that is that okay is that I all right is, is that I think, there should, I think there should be like you said a reckoning like let's look at all the bad from all the good from our culture let's all look at all the good from other cultures and let's try to build a better culture i agree you know I don't, again, I, I understand, look, I, everything that we do in our culture, I understand that over centuries, those things have been built to sustain the culture, right? Yeah. Like whatever culture has been built, it's been built over centuries and things that might've been happening over the centuries, these things were mechanisms to keep things in order. But you know, when you leave a place like Nigeria and come to America, and when you leave a place like Nigeria and come to the West, thing, you gotta, the West ha does some things right. The West does some things wrong. Mm -hmm. Nigeria does some things right. Nigeria does some things wrong. You got to say, okay, what works? What's healthy? What can we do to build the best family? Because yeah. at the end of the day, the one thing about Nigeria that I like is that they put an emphasis on family. Yeah. Family is the only thing that keeps us going, keeps us alive, keeps us well. People who suffer, they suffer because they don't have a good family. Mm -hmm. I was even talking to my friends. I look at all my friend, married friends, Mm -hmm. And I look at all my single friends, and one common denominator I see is that the, my married friends have good, stable families. Mm -hmm. A lot of my single friends, either they came from a bad, a broken family, or they came from a family that broke down later in life. Mm -hmm. Like I'm gonna, like myself, my family broke down in my mid twenties. My dad died, everything collapsed. Right, mm -hmm. that played a huge part in me not being married, because mm -hmm. I. As a man, I don't have to, like, I wasn't able to save money, right? Mm -hmm. Saving money is big, especially with Nigerian women, mm -hmm. right? I wasn't able to take some time to further my education. Mm -hmm. Your education is big, especially to Nigerian people, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so all that stemmed from my family breaking down. I couldn't save money. I couldn't further my career by getting a, a, a further my education. I had to take whatever job I could just to keep going, just, to, just so I wouldn't be homeless, you know? So I see, I see it's a pattern. A lot of people who aren't married, they're not married because the family they came from, you know? Um, what, it didn't breathe a situation that made it easy for them to get married. A lot of my married friends, they came from strong, I'm not saying, and I don't wanna get it confused, like if you didn't come from that, you come from a bad family, but yeah. I say strong family where you had a dad, a mom, finances are in order, thing, uh, institutions are in order, you have uncles, aunts, siblings, cousins, and they're all working together. It's healthy. They support you. That's family support. I see a lot of people who get married, they get married behind a lot of family support. Mm. A lot of people who get single in their late 20s, early 30s, and they're still single, I would dare say look at their families. Mm. I would dare yeah, say look I at their families. I think a lot of times is your family dynamics kind of mirrors to you. Um, Things you need to look at especially when it comes to marriage and relationships like if you as i said you can't you can't marry something that you haven't seen right, right. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, if you don't have it in your immediate household, then you can't see it elsewhere. But I think having a strong family and having support, because I think that's that's where it comes from, support, support. especially. Um, because if you even see in white households, they get a lot of support. Some of that nepotism and some of, I mean, it comes from both sides. Uh, and Africans don't understand that. They look at, they compare you to other people. Yes, uh, he got a degree, but he didn't work for five years. His dad got, dad got him a job at the company he worked for. They, they, they saved $75,000 for him when he graduated, you know? Yeah. Things that you don't yeah and I, th I think it's it's one of those things is it's hard to and that's why i said it's hard to mimic something you haven't seen and some people are more fortunate yeah. than others um and it's allowing people to navigate that landscape because at the end of the day even though i came from a single parent home i don't want to be a single parent i want yeah. to be married I want a partner who I love, who I trust, who I can depend on, vice versa. And we have children and we live a life that I can mirror to them. So when they get older, they can see, okay, well, mommy and daddy were like this and they got together and this is what I'm looking for and blah, 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 blah. That's what I want. Now, it's hard to find somebody who wants the same thing. And that's where I feel like dating was, was is so important. And especially when you... What do you mean hard to find somebody who wants the same thing, though? Because sometimes people don't want that. Sometimes people's intentions are different, yeah? Like, you, I can find somebody who's attracted and he has all these amazing qualities, but he doesn't want kids or he's not looking to be married right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, or there's something. So I'm not saying that there won't be people that have the same intentions as you, right? Um, but it's hard to navigate through that. And that's why dating is so important, right? So I'm going to make a confession. And I don't, this is more of an inquisitive thing and not a judgmental thing. So <laughs> please, just, I had a friend a while ago who was also come, who came from a single parent background, right? Yeah. She said the same thing. Like, it's hard to find men who want these things. It's hard to find this. It's hard to find that. But in that, and I don't know you from Adam, so I'm, I'm definitely not talking about you, right? Yeah. But she, about her coming from a single family background that she might not have been aware of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And those ups, in my opinion, hindered her from finding what she wanted. You know what I mean? You know, and but this is my friend that I had a couple years ago. Yeah. Like she wanted, she wanted a good family, all the good things that you that you say you want, right? That you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. But like, because of her background, well, the man has to be like this, you know, or I'm not going to accept this, or you know what I mean, like, or yeah, um, I think I think in your head, like you have some type of narrative in terms of what a good partner looks like, right? Um, and I think if it's not mirrored to you, yeah, you might already come, there might be certain things that qualities that you see or certain scenarios that you see that you instantly go, this is a no go. And you never see the flexibility that it takes or the work that it takes to make a relationship work. Cause that's not 
that wasn't in your household, right? Right. Um, so you might see someone who's been married and it looks like they have a great relationship, but they might have gone through things and they got through it, but because you never saw that got through point of view, you might have cut something off. Right. And then you're on to the next. You're trying to find that picture perfect, but you have to understand that every person in every relationship is going to have something and it's... Right. So guys, that was the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a bit of a long one, but I hope that you guys took some nuggets out of that. Well, I'll see you guys next week for episode 10 on Let's Chat.